What's going on, everybody? This is Nick Sapinero once again for another episode of the Divi Crypto Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest with us who I met because of an incredible application of blockchain technology that I discovered through a friend of mine. Today, we have Simon, who's the CEO of the Loki blockchain and cryptocurrency. Simon, welcome to the welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Nick. How you going? Doing well, doing well. Thank you. So I really appreciate you coming on the show today to talk about, of course, the app. And we will get into session here in a little bit. But before we do, I'd love to introduce the readers to you and talk about how you initially got into cryptocurrency. Everybody has a different story of how they access this incredible technology. So what's yours? Sure. So um, I guess my story starts in high school, actually. I um I had been developing websites and that sort of thing um, to make a bit of cash on the side. I'd been making games mods for games like Minecraft. I was very involved back in the alpha days. Um, that was a long time ago now. But, um, yeah, just through that um, exposure to technology and I was interested in philosophy and a bunch of other things at the time. Um, eventually, I can't remember exactly how, but I came across Bitcoin with a couple friends of mine. Um, and that started on a, a multi-year path to today, I suppose. Um, I left high school um, and bought Bitcoin in 2015, um, and it all kind of started from there. I got introduced to Ethereum, um, and then later on Monero as well, um, all, all these different projects um, that have a big focus on decentralized technology and some of the cool things you can do with it, uh, and some experiments that proved that you can't do certain cool things with it, even though it would be nice to. Um, so it's been a, been a bit of a journey. Um, in terms of how Loki got started itself, um, our project, um, I was at a, a, a local blockchain meetup here in Melbourne, Australia, um, where I'm from. Uh, Melbourne, by the way, was one of the um, epicenters of Bitcoin's early adoption. Around the 2014, 2015 time, there were more shops and cafes that you could use Bitcoin in than any other place on earth for a while there. Um, and then it all sort of dried up at around 2016. But regardless, I started going to these meetups in, in, in about 2016. Um, and by 2017, I was running them um, amongst other things. And uh, yeah, I, I met some really cool guys um, that were interested in the same things that I was interested in. Um, we were talking about, you know, use cases for blockchain and all of the projects we did like, didn't like, and trading and, and what have you. Um, and this was leading into the, the bull run of 2017. So absolutely crazy time. A lot of us quit our jobs just so we could spend more time hanging out and figuring out what to do and, and that sort of thing. Um, so very, very interesting. Um, and eventually we, we kind of stumbled across this idea that, hey, you know, this incentivized node business is actually really interesting. It can be used to do some really cool stuff. It can be used to solve some problems, some actual problems that currently exist on privacy networks. Um, and so that was the basis for the idea of Loki. We created the idea of the Loki service node network. Um, we wanted to use it to create a, a better anonymous messaging service. Um, and that is essentially what we set out to create in late 2017. Um, and then uh, the, the company formed in 2018, uh, January 1st, New Year's Eve was the day I got the call about our seed funding. Um, and it all it all went from there. We, we um, were able to complete a private pre-sale round in March of 2018 for $9 million US million. And two years later, 
here we are, a team of 30 full-time staff working very, very hard. Our flagship product session launched about three weeks ago, um, which is our um, secure messaging application. It's end-to-end encrypted. It uses the signal protocol. It's onion routed. uh, The packet request gets sent through our um, Loki service node network um, is decentralized. All of the messages get stored on the, on the service node network in a, distrib- in a distributed manner. Um, and there's no phone numbers or anything like that. We use public key cryptography. Um, there's a lot of client-side security features as well. So we really wanted to go above and beyond. We didn't want to just create another chat app. We wanted to create a chat app that has all the same features that you'd expect from you know your WhatsApps and your signals and, and that sort of thing, but actually cares very, very deeply about the metadata that is created when you send messages and the security of those messages when you send them. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of that's kind of where we are today. The metadata is really the, the the dead giveaway to whoever might be trying to analyze your communications, right? It's not necessarily even the content of the communication, but that metadata. At least this is what I've read. Is that about right? Um, we don't really know how people are using um, messaging data. Uh, we do know that Facebook has full access to many logs of many different conversations with Facebook and Instagram, for example. There's, you know, the public SMS network, wherever you happen to be. Um, lots, lots of different companies and governments have access to those uh, message records. It's unclear um, to what extent the message contents are used versus the actual metadata of those messages. But I can guarantee you that the metadata is being used. There, There is a lot that can be learned from simply knowing who is talking to who um, instead of what is necessarily contained within those messages. I think it's more important knowing who is talking to who than what is actually being said in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's what I've read as well. Um, I just finished Snowden's book, uh, and he, he touches on that quite a bit. Now, are you a Snowden fan? Of course, I'm a Snowden fan. I, I saw him. I saw him speak at um, the Web three summit in Berlin last year, um, and you know, I couldn't help but sit there and think, "Damn, we're actually building exactly what this guy says should exist." So that was a pretty cool feeling. Uh, we haven't really reached out to him yet, um, or, or made any sort of attempt to get his attention with session yet. But I'm sure, you know, as as time passes, uh, we might come across his radar and. Um, yeah, as more and more articles keep coming out, I hope that eventually we'll we'll get that man's attention because he's done, you know, a pretty powerful thing for quite a lot of people and and has really been a part of my inspiration as to uh, building session and building Loki. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, I mean you're right up his alley. This project is, I mean, he was integral in the in the Signal project, right and. I think uh, at some point you got to at least try to reach out to him if he doesn't discover it on his own. Because I feel like the session application is a great iteration over some of the other private or anonymous messages that exist today. I know that, of course, Signal is very popular. There's another app called Threema, which session even reminded me of more. But the problem that a lot of people have with Threema is the fact that it's not open source. But Loki, or I'm sorry, session is open source. Am I right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I think if you're trying to create a secure messaging application and you're not making it open source, you're pretty much dead in the water, in my, in my books anyway. And I think a lot of people will tend to agree with me. That's why Wicker um, is also in a similar sort of camp. Um, but yeah, we've, we've been open source since the get-go. Um, we, use the, we actually use the Signal uh, messaging app as the basis for Session. Um, so we, we 
maintained a lot of the same or all of the same end-to-end encryption properties, but you know we've overhauled quite a lot of it to be able to do the decentralized component to get rid of phone numbers um, and if, several other features. Um, we've, re- we've rewritten the entire front end as well, just so it, you know it's got a different look and feel. And in my opinion, in the coming weeks, it will be better than Signal, just quietly. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's a great app. I, I used it for a little bit, and I, I love how it feels like. Um, it feels like a crypto application. It feels like I'm sending a transaction or, or setting up a new wallet. When you get when you get started, you know you have your backup seed phrase and everything. Is that due to the fact that it's actually secured by the blockchain? Because you did mention that it was being routed through nodes. At least the communications are. How much of it is actually based around or reliant on the Loki blockchain? Um, the users never actually, or the, the the clients never actually have any contact with the blockchain whatsoever. Um, that would be a very heavy way, way to do it and it would be kind of pointless as well. The clients themselves never have to touch any of the blockchain data. The only thing that they really care about is who are the service nodes and what are their public keys. Um, as, long as, as long as they know who the service nodes currently are and what their public keys are, they can figure out who uh, belongs in this swarm. And if they can f- figure out who belongs in this swarm, then they can use the messaging service. However, um, the Loki blockchain is entirely responsible for determining who the list of service nodes actually is at that point in time. So based on who is staking, um, who's been providing outside proofs, um, who, who is a valid node on the network, that is very, very relevant. And so the Loki blockchain in this case is being used to create a self-regulating distributed node network. So it, it, it is permissionless, but you know because of the staking involved, that limits the um, capability for large actors to come in and take over large portions of the network. Um, it makes it a lot more difficult to, you know, siphon off parts of the network and pretend that you're someone else because then, you know, things are going to fail in pretty spectacular ways. So the blockchain has a really um, useful property for clients in that it creates this self-regulating network, um, which is quite different to the approaches of pretty much every other messaging application that I know out there. Um, even a lot of the decentralized ones, even a lot of the peer-to-peer ones, they have this concept of a mail server. So, you know, a lot of them have realized, oh, it's actually kind of shitty that two people need to be online at the same time to message each other because of the way mobile technology works. That's just not a thing. Um, iOS, for example, will not allow you to keep um, connections open with multiple people for long periods of time at all. And to initiate this, um, uh, open connections, you have to open the app and everything else. So it's just not realistic. It's just It just doesn't fit the bill of what mobile devices have been allowed to do. And that's largely uh, because of their limited battery life, limited bandwidth capacity. Um, so it's really not that surprising. So they have come up with this concept of a mail server, which is basically a trusted centralized server that you can post messages to in case you can't access the peer-to-peer network, which in mobile devices cases is the majority of the time. So it's really not a good solution, but the Loki service node network gets around all those problems because you have that asynchronous mail server capability while still occurring over a decentralized network and getting all that metadata protection that you otherwise would. So yeah, I think it's a much, it's a, it's a much, much better product because of the blockchain than would otherwise be possible. That's great. You know, it, it's so important that we use the blockchain for 
it, its true purpose and the purposes that it's it's really you know most equipped for. So many people try to blockchainify everything and uh, instead of just leveraging it for the things that it, it's really uh, adequate for. So I think that you know hats off to you for that one. Now let's take a step back from session and and look more at the at the Loki blockchain and some of the opportunities that are presented to to your other users that are maybe not using the session application. You did mention staking and service nodes. Are these different things in your in your ecosystem? No, um, oh, they kind of are. So we have service nodes. Um, these are basically servers that anyone can run, um, usually on VPS. Um, but if you're more advanced, you can do it on whatever you want. It's just going to have good uptime. Um, the basic idea is that you lock away an amount of Loki. At the moment, I think it's something like 18,000 Loki, but it, it's declining down to 15,000. It'll just stop there forever. Um, this, uh, this system allows you to collect a portion of the block reward. So similar to miners can win a block. Service nodes can also win a block. So usually I think at the moment it's about once every day or two um, you win a portion of the block reward um, and that will be awarded to your service node. So um, that, that, that that is akin to staking. At the moment we're still relying on proof of work to generate the blocks, but we have plans in place um, and a paper written and bunch of other things to implement full proof of stake um, our system we call pulse um, and it will also use the service node network so in loki the service nodes pretty much form the basis of the entire network not only do they you know they do do staking and provide a copy of the blockchain that's pretty standard activity for mass node start networks but they also do instant transactions called, uh, through our system called blink which is pretty similar to dash's uh, instant pay um, they also run the session storage server network, which allows session to operate. They also run LokiNet, which allows our um, generic onion routing overlay network to operate over the network as well. So people can access the internet anonymously and, and, and hidden snaps over it as well. Uh, and what else can they do at the moment? Um, oh, they also run checkpointing. So right now with proof of work, um, the system is checkpointed by the service nodes such that 51% attacks are basically no longer possible or they're no longer worth doing um, because reorganizations can only be rolled back as far as the service nodes will allow it, which at the moment is four blocks or 12 blocks, something like that. Um, so we actually get the, the security of the blockchain is now provided by the service nodes, but the miners are still being paid. And the community has just actually agreed to do an interim cut to the mining reward and an increase to the service node reward um, just to recognize that and start to get rid of that extra inflation that's just not necessary through the mining reward. Um, and, yeah, eventually we're just going to get rid of it altogether such that service nodes are producing blocks, validating blocks, all, all, all doing all the things. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, that's, that's really incredible. Again, I, I love the way that you guys are, are using the technology. I know that you guys are, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you're a fork of Monero, but you've kind of iterated on so much of what Monero has done and added so many additional layers, if you will, to the project that make it more of a beneficial framework for usage. Uh, whereas, you know, a lot of blockchains, they, they start and stop at, the, at one place, you know, they have their niche feature or whatever but they don't expand from there and they're because they're so pigeonholed or they're so focused on that on that one issue 
you're taking the privacy aspect of blockchain and bringing it to so many different facets of things that already exist, like chat, like um, browsing and things like that. What do you see in the future for as far as your privacy framework goes? I mean, obviously, governments uh, have started to look negatively at privacy coins. Um, do you do you plan to continue down the privacy track regardless of that? Or, or what are your plans there? I think um, that we would definitely continue on the privacy track. That That's Loki's whole game is privacy. And it, it always has been. I don't see that changing anytime soon. That is that is our core offering um, at the end of the day. Um, I, I can only see really slight changes in approach. So for the most, for, for the longest time, we've always been, you know, the most hardcore when it comes to, okay, we must have the absolute privacy. But as we go through the development process and realize what that actually looks like for end users, there are some things now where we go, okay, maybe we can make a slight sacrifice to privacy in these specific areas to create massive improvements in user experience such that the privacy that is provided is more accessible. Um, so a small example of that would be um, in Monero, in order to figure out which transactions are yours without giving away um, to the node that you're using which transactions are yours, you are required to download every single transaction since the last time you checked the blockchain and check them individually, which especially for mobile devices is very, very demanding. So we had an idea which was like, okay, well, why don't we split up all of the addresses um, into, let's say, 50 blocks? So your address can be in one of 50 places on in this array, right? And you'll, we'll change the address format slightly to indicate you know, which box your address belongs to. And now instead of requesting every single transaction that has occurred on the blockchain, since you last checked it, you only have to check the transactions which belong to your box. So let's say there's 10,000 uh, Loki users out there. It's probably more than that, uh, or at least more addresses anyway. And there's 50 boxes. Okay, so we divide 10,000 by 50. I think that's 200, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so your transactions are now scattered within a group of 200 other users. So you still have that plausible deniability um, because you're still collecting transactions from a range of different people. But the time it takes to sync your wallet has now been cut down by an order of magnitude and then five times more than that. So, you know, that's a huge improvement in UX, particularly for mobile devices, without really having too much practical loss of privacy, in my opinion. Uh, so that's an example of some of the, of the direction we can go. But yeah, it, the privacy is definitely still the name of the game as far as Loki goes. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I would assume so. <laughs> it's uh, it's you can tell from your website and and from talking to you that that is a, a major focus, and it should be. I mean, there are so many applications and technologies out there that are just invading our privacy on a daily basis. It's so absurd that we allow this to happen, but people like yourself are leading the charge in changing that narrative and changing that in reality. So um, I really can't uh, can't praise you guys enough for, for what you guys are doing. And I really enjoy the project. I think it's a really fantastic use case for blockchain. Um, I really do appreciate you coming on the show. We're running low on time here. 
before we sign off, can you give us a little bit of a rundown on where we can find you online? And of course, tell us how we can access your project. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, if you're interested in trying out Session, please get you and a couple of friends to, to give it a go. It would be really great. Leave a review if you can at getsession.org. Um, and if you're feeling like a bit of light reading, the getsession.org slash white paper is also quite entertaining. If you're into privacy, you might enjoy reading about some of the things that we've done with our messaging protocol to make it super good. Um, if you want to find me, I am at Simon A. Harmon, that's H-R-M-A-N, on Twitter. Um, I'd love a follow. I always love a follow. And, um, yeah, if you want to find out more about Loki generally, our website is Loki.network. So there's there's three things you can do if you want to find out more about us. Fantastic. And for any, anyone listening, of course, you can find all the links that Simon and I have mentioned throughout this episode in the show notes on blog.debbyproject.org. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you like it, share it on social media. Simon Harmon, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show once again. Listeners, I'll see you next time. Thank you